When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Hey, everybody, and welcome to our Friday edition of the Orange and Brown Talk podcast, our big Browns-Ravens preview pod. Uh, We've got Lance Reisling coming up. He's going to give us his scouting report on the Ravens and his keys to the Browns beating the Ravens. Then Doug Maurice is going to take over, and he is going to go through prop bets with Ashley Bastock and Irie Harris. Um, Ashley is a little fired up in that segment. I'm about 10 minutes through editing it, and... She is fired up, that's for sure. So you'll want to stick with that. <laughs> and then, of course, our game picks as well. Uh, right now, it's Mary Kay Cabot and Ashley here to give you the three things you need to know for this game on Sunday. So, Mary Kay, why don't you start us off? What does everyone need to know about this Browns-Ravens game on Sunday? Well, you know, I'm I'm always very, you know, QB-centric. Uh, so, you know, I, I'm kind of looking at both quarterbacks. I hope I'm not taking too too much uh, <laughs> territory here but I'm kind of looking at both quarterbacks because uh Jacoby Brissett I think really needs to rebound from giving the ball away three different times from not being able to connect with Amari Cooper uh and he's going up against a defense that does a really nice job of taking the ball away uh they have eight interceptions and four fumble recovery so they're way high at the top of the NFL list in terms of taking it away so ball security is going to be imperative he's not going to be able to try to force it downfield to Amari Cooper he's going to have to be really careful these are good cornerbacks Humphreys and Peters these these guys are are very physical and they're opportunistic chart Clark is really good their safety um so it, it's going to be a, a tough game for Jacoby to try to bounce back uh and then conversely, Obviously, I think the, you know, the number one thing the Browns have to do is figure out how to solve Lamar and Lamar is on a mission to put on a show. So I think this is going to be a very QB centric football game. Ashley, it feels like maybe that's maybe that's bad for the Browns if it's a QB centric game, I guess, unless it is them just intercepting Lamar Jackson four times, yeah. a game, making him look terrible. But if we're just looking at the the straight up quarterback matchup. As is going to be the case, you know, as we move forward here over the next month or so, the Browns are certainly at a deficit there. Yeah, I mean, like you said, Dan, unless Lamar Jackson comes out and has one of these games where he's like, hey, I'm going to take every gamble. Like he's like hitting the over on every possibility he has of making a big play. Um, I don't 
yeah, I would take Lamar Jackson over Jacoby Brissett. I think most people will uh, admit that the Browns are not winning that battle in this matchup. Um, but like you said, I mean, the the one thing I think the Browns defense has going for it going into this game is Lamar has been kind of prone to making big mistakes late in games, especially uh, in this early portion of the season, especially in these three losses the Ravens had where in each loss they blew double digit leads. But I think at the end of the day, it's like we saw last year, like this team has been in a situation before where, yeah, maybe they can turn the takeaway battle around in this game. But they still lost last year, even when they did that, even when they intercepted Lamar Jackson four times. So it might not mean anything in the grand scheme of wins or losses, but the opportunity, I think, is there, even though, you know, Lamar Jackson of the two is obviously the better quarterback. So, Mary Kay, there was a <clears throat> something Alex Van Pelt said today as we recorded this on Thursday. We heard from Alex Van Pelt earlier today. And um, you he, he was talking about the, the interception on the long plays. And then um, you asked him about kind of pushing the ball down the field. Uh, I know I know you've written about that. And one of the things he said is, well, I'll just read the quote. I think sometimes that is what you see. That is what you do. You see somebody open and you pull the trigger. Now, this is the part that stood out to me. We will get back into the completion mindset moving forward. I think mm-hmm. that is when we played the best offensively is when we are just taking what is there. I thought that was a pretty telling quote from Alex Van Pelt today. Yeah, I thought so too. I thought so too. I think it was an acknowledgement that maybe Jacoby's trying to do too much. And that's something that he really hasn't done throughout his career. And when I looked at, uh, you know, I did study the, you know, the deep ball statistics uh, on passes of 20 yards or more. And, you know, came to see that he has only completed nine of 27 of those compared to like a like a Josh Allen, for instance, who has completed, I think, 16 of 27 of those for six touchdowns and one interception. So um, it it seems like Jacoby has gotten outside of his comfort zone a little and perhaps is trying to do a little bit too much. He makes his, his hay between 10 and 19 yards on those intermediate throws. And they're, they're probably going to have to get back to that because if you can get the ball into the hands of a David Njoku, uh, you know, 12 yards down the field, maybe he can take it from there and get some good yak, get some good yards after catch. Uh, maybe some other guys can do that as well. Maybe, maybe David Bell can do more of that. So I, I thought that that was an acknowledgement that, yeah, we aren't, you know, it's in the progression. It's in the, it's in the reads, but he doesn't necessarily have to take every single one-on-one matchup that he's seeing downfield. So I, I thought that was good. And, uh, you know, I, we, we don't need to spend a ton of time on this, Ashley, because I know you guys are going to talk about this later. But, um, like, can we please just get Kareem Hunt some targets, please? Yeah, it's it's like it is maddening to me at this point. And I think, Dan, like I said to you, on Sunday or we were talking about it at, in the Patriots game. It's like, if I'm Kareem Hunt, I am, you know, I'm like, you kept me here. You wouldn't grant my trade request and you're not giving me the ball. Like I, I wouldn't blame him if he is sitting there and we haven't heard from Kareem saying this, but I wouldn't blame him if he's frustrated because of what he asked for this off season and because of how they're using him. I just, I know we always talk about this. It never feels like they use Kareem Hunt enough. But this year, it really doesn't feel like they use Kareem Hunt enough because like we talked about with Baker, what was he so good at in the past game? Kareem was like the perfect safety valve. 
I kind of think Jacoby Brissett like needs a little of that. Like Mary Kay said, given the fact that he's really struggling to get the ball downfield at times, like, yeah, maybe he is trying to do too much, but you know what the antidote to that is? Nice little screen passes <laughs> to Kareem Hunt who can go and get a ton of yards after the catch and, and maybe help, you know, spur something with this offense. Yeah. I mean, there, there's two players on this team from Northeast Ohio, Farrell Brown and Kareem Hunt. And one of those two is the one I want to see on the field a lot. Nothing against Pharaoh, but I'd rather man. see. You forgot you forgot the one who got extended. Wait, who am I forgetting? Denzel. Oh yeah, Denzel Ward. Um, offense, offense, <laughs> okay. two Clarify. offensive Clarify. players. Yes, there that's where go. I was going. Um, I didn't. Nothing against Pharaoh, but I think I think your offense can be more productive if you get out of that thirteen personnel and do a little more two back. Also, sorry, Denzel. Well, and like um, really quickly, I mean, we saw them this summer. It looked like they were maybe lining Kareem up like as a tight end. Like, I don't know. You can do that. Like, I think, right. Like you can, you can do similar things with him. You don't need to be, like you said, using 13 personnel. It's it's not a necessity when you have Kareem Hunt. Why, why do you think they have gone away from that too? I mean, I don't, I don't think you need to do it constantly, Mary Kay, but why do you think they've gone away from that? You know what? It's it's a great question. I don't really know. I don't really understand it. Uh, maybe we should have pressed uh, Alex Van Pelt a little bit on that today because it was effective when they used it. Uh, it it has the impact of keeping the opposition in a certain kind of a personnel grouping, and maybe they don't want to see that personnel grouping uh, that often. So. Um, not really exactly sure why not, but I think this would be the perfect week to dust it back off again. And, um, you know, and I, and I do think that Kareem is someone that, you know, he is one of those players that you can, uh, you know, work more the, uh, you know, the, the intermediate type of passes and hope that he can get some, uh, yards after catch. It hasn't been overly effective lately. Uh, he's been kind of struggling a little bit to to make yards, both in the passing game and the running game a little bit. So, you know, I don't know, maybe they're seeing some things on film, but um, but I, I certainly think it's worth trying again until a team proves they can stop it. OK, Ashley, what have you got? What I'm thinking about is something we heard from Joe Woods today, which we did, I think, you know, press him on a little bit in his press conference. And that's right now, it sounds like for as much as this defense is struggling, they are standing pat with the guys they have. And we're not going to see major changes to this depth chart. I mean, in particular, in these questions, um, a guy who's been kind of a target of ire from fans so far this season, Grant Delpit, was, I think, the the main crux of these questions of, is Grant Delpit's starting spot safe? And Joe Wood said, yeah, right now it is that we've seen him make plays before, um, and they're kind of relying on that. And, you know, we asked him, when does it get to that point where you would consider making changes to the this depth chart because you look at any major staff basically to rank defenses in the NFL, the Browns are probably going to be in the bottom third. They are for most of them, um, which is crazy considering this was a top five defense last year, but it was interesting to me that there are no, we've heard this from Kevin Stefanski this week too. There are no personnel changes coming as of right now besides Deion Jones getting up to speed which has been the the phrase of the week so to speak <laughs> so Mary Kay should there be should, I mean should they be considering these things more seriously you know what I, I'm gonna say no because who are they going to go to I mean they're it's not like they're 
are, you know, three good safeties just waiting in the wings for their opportunity. I mean, they're, you know, it's just really not the case right now. Uh, they're, they're playing their best guys. Their best guys just aren't playing their best football. And that's been the problem. They really need to, um, to get these guys to step up and, and play better. Uh, because the truth of the matter is they're better than the guy behind him. But I, as I wrote today, when I wrote some of this Joe Wood stuff, I'm just going to read very quickly some of the rankings. PFF and the Browns take this with a grain of, grain of salt because the PFF rankings uh, don't always match, match up with what the Browns rankings are and, you know, what these guys' responsibilities are. But Jordan Elliott was supposed to step up and have a, a huge year this year. He's ranked 130th out of defensive tackles, qualifying defensive tackles, 130th, 130th. Um, Tommy Togiai, just as an aside, 133rd. Then you move down to linebackers, JOK. Last year, I think he finished top 10 amongst linebackers. And right now he's number 47. Jacob Phillips, they expected that Jacob was going to uh, really come on strong this year. He's right now at number 81. Um, then we've got uh, cornerbacks. You've got Greg Newsom at 57. You've got Denzel Ward at number 106. Now Denzel, uh, you know, in in one game where the uh, where PFF had him giving up four or four passes, he said he wasn't targeted at all that game. So you know, this grade could be way way off, but still 106. Uh, that's absolutely not where you would expect him to be. And then safeties, you've got JJ three at number 59. Grant Delpit at number 74. And then when you move down to defensive ends, of course, Miles and Jadavian are way up high. Miles, they have at number one, Jadavian number nine, but Alex Wright, the rookie at number 119. And that's another uh, thing to think about. Not only have the young guys heading into their second seasons, not, or in some cases, their third seasons, not stepped up and just lit it up this year the way they hoped that they would. Um, but you're playing a number of rookies. I mean, you've got Perry on Winfrey. You've got Alex Wright. You've got MJ Emerson. Now, MJ, out of everybody, is ranked really highly on PFF. He's number 15 overall amongst cornerbacks right now, and that's really good. Um, not a humongous body of work in terms of, you know, he, he's only made one start. So we'll have to see how that goes over time. But um so once again, you're playing rookie, a lot of rookies and you're playing a lot of second year players that that just haven't really popped the way that you expected them to. And there's nobody coming to save them. I mean, can you tell me who the give me the name of the safety is behind? I mean, Ronnie Harrison's there. You know, you could give Ronnie a little bit more playing time, perhaps, but he's already in the rotation. So, you know, I, I just think that they have to do a better job schematically. Uh, with what they have and the players that are that are out there have just got to everybody's got to pick it up a notch. Yeah, I, I mean that's the problem. Is like, okay, are you going to put DeAnthony Bell out there? I mean, may, maybe, but are you are you sure what he can do? Um, go ahead, Ashley. I had someone tweet at me because I wrote a story about this today and just kind of, you know, like Mary Kay said, not like advocating for them to do this because it's like, what are your other options? But just with what Joe Wood said and some of the numbers for this team right now and someone tweeted at me and said, why can't they just give Richard LeCount a chance? Like that is where we are at, you know, no disrespect to Richard LeCount, but like he has been back and forth now between being waived and the practice squad and, and all that stuff. So 
there just really are not a lot of options. And like you're saying, man, D'Anthony Bell, like, you know, he's a great story. And I think he had a great preseason and training camp and all of that. But Grant Delpit's your draft pick. Like, you know what I mean? It's like there's a difference. And and you shouldn't be having to rely on D'Anthony Bell for that big of a role, I don't think. And I think, you know, look, at some point, we'll probably really have to take some time to sit down and look at these draft classes. And, you know, obviously you missed on a guy like Richard LeCount and you're going to miss on day three picks. Like some of them aren't going to work, but that would have been nice to to have him available and have him be kind of a young guy that you're developing and, and waiting on. But there's just certain picks where I feel like they kind of just made weird picks where could they have gone a different direction and, and had another young guy behind a young guy, you know, Nick, Nick Harris is one of those picks. That's like you had a center on your roster and you drafted Nick Harris and he didn't play for three years. Now, obviously it's not his fault. He got hurt. Um, but then you went out and found a guy in Ethan Pochich that you were able to just plug in and he's playing well. Like, could you have used that pick differently? And some of that is, you know, look, maybe Nick Harris was going to be a pro bowler. I, you know, I don't know. Jacob Phillips is a guy you missed on. So now you're, you're, or at least it appears you've missed on, uh, well, you know, we'll see. Now you're kind of struggling to find, uh, you know, depth at linebacker. You have to go out and trade for Dion Jones. I think some of these little misses here or some of these choices where you take, uh, you know, you basically take a swing tackle and James Hudson, who's not a guy who's probably going to be a starter for you down the road. Instead of, you know, adding depth behind young guys you weren't sure about. I, I don't know. There, there's some team building questions here. And, and maybe that's unfair to be like, well, why didn't you take your fifth safety with this pick? But, you know, I, I do wonder if maybe we really dug into some of these picks. Was, would there have been a better way to use them? And another part of it is, you know what? You should have just taken Winfield over Delpit. Yeah, I mean, you know, the jury is still out on some of these guys, obviously. In, including Delpit, to be fair. Yeah. I mean, the, the, it's going to take probably two to three more years to really grade these first few drafts and see how some of these guys worked out. Um, and the truth of the matter is that, that right now we don't really know. Um, but I do think it's important to note, and I did write this in, in my story today too, is that their pro bowl players there's been a lack of continuity with them being in and out of the lineup. You know, Miles flipped the Porsche. He hasn't been himself since he did that. Jadavian Clowney has played three games this season. Denzel Ward is in jeopardy of missing his second game with a concussion. Deion Jones, the other guy now who is a pro bowler on this defense, hasn't gotten into the lineup yet. Anthony Walker, who is playing at a very, very high level, has missed, you know, most of the season. So um, so they have not had their full complement of their best guys. And I, and I think you can say next man up all you want, but there is a whole lot to be said for having your best defenders on the field at any given time. Yeah, I, I agree with that. I, but also, if you're going to be a draft and develop team and you're going to be steadfast on we're keeping guys no matter what, when your third round linebacker, when he's next man up and you've been developing for him for three years, right? That guy should be that guy should be ready. Right. Like, that guy, you you shouldn't miss a beat. 
That's especially because as good as Anthony Walker is, we're not talking about like Miles Garrett or somebody like that. Yeah. And the other thing to think about, about these guys though, is that just because they've been around so long, you know, we think that they, you know, you forget that they haven't played all that much. Yeah. You know what I mean? I mean, like even Jacob Phillips, I mean, he missed most of last season and he didn't play much as a rookie. So like, these are, you know, these are still his first games that he's really getting out there and starting. I mean, let's look up how many starts has he made in the NFL? Um, he has started up. seven games. He's played right. in 19 and started seven. Think about that. So here we are, we're grading him like he's this seasoned vet and he's really not. Now to your point, Dan, it's true that, um, you know, if you're good enough, you don't need 29 starts for that to show. But I still think there is a learning curve going on with some of these younger guys, even even Jake, even Jordan Elliott. You know, I mean, this is this is really his first opportunity to get out there and, and to learn the game and to learn what it's like to start games. And, you know, I, I think a lot of them are having their growing pains. All right. Mine is just this two game stretch here. And I think this two game stretch is basically the season. That doesn't mean they have to go two and up. They don't have to beat Baltimore and beat Cincinnati. Now, that would be great if they did. That would put them in first place. If they do that, like, hey, everything's fixed, <laughs> right? Like, the tone of these pods changes, the tone of the locker room, like, everything's fixed if they win these next two games, whether it actually is or not. But that's the nature of sports and football. If they split, yeah, you feel okay. You're still kind of alive. You'd be three and five at that point. You'd still be kind of trying to keep your head above water, but you're still going. But to me, if you lose these next two, like that's it. It's I know it's not you're not mathematically done, but I, I think if this team is two and six with losses to Baltimore and Cincinnati. And then that schedule coming up, I th I think it's about over. And I hate to say that after eight weeks, but I think these two games, you got to at least split, at least. And that's not ideal, but that at least lets you kind of tread water in a, in a pretty wide open AFC. But you lose two, I, I think it's done. Oh, yeah, absolutely. You cannot afford to lose these two, especially because they're double games, they're division games. Uh, that would put you at... Uh, one and two in the division, you're behind the eight ball, uh, you know, from a record standpoint to be two and six. I mean, and try to think that you're going to come back from that, uh, that that would be not impossible, but darn close to getting impossible, especially because you have some of your toughest games still coming up. I mean, my goodness, uh, to have to, to face the Bills and look, the Dolphins with Tua, they're going to be tough. Uh, the Bucks. I know they're having their issues. They're going to be difficult. And then after all that, you'd still have three division games to play when Deshaun Watson comes back. So two and six puts you so far behind the eight ball that uh, you would really have an incredibly difficult time digging your way out of that hole. Having said that, uh, once again, if you even just win one of these, then you're you're still in contention. It's 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 not over yet. If you beat the Baltimore Ravens and you go to three and four and they go to three and four, you know, you are two and oh in the division. And that's sitting 
sitting pretty, especially depending on uh, what happens with the Bengals this week. Who are the Bengals playing this week again? I believe, it's, I believe they have the Falcons. Okay. So chances are they're going to win that game, maybe. Although, who is Falcons, the AFC? Falcons have been tough. Yeah. I was just going to say, who is the AFC Offensive Player of the Week this week? Our <laughs> old friend, Marcus Mariota, who thought was going to be so horrible this year. But anyway, so, you know, there's there's a chance that you could have these teams all tied at three and four coming out of this weekend. And the picture doesn't look anywhere near as bleak, uh, even though you've, you know, you lost three games leading up to that. So yeah, this is huge. Again, Dan, you can, and Ashley, you guys have learned that I don't like uh, the must win phrase until you're facing elimination from playoff contention, but um it's certainly an enormous game on Sunday. Yeah. I mean, I think like for me, it's less like, Oh, they have to win this or the season is over. It's, it's more like there's really no reason to be optimistic, like coming into a week this week, given everything that's wrong, that all of their problems are going to somehow be magically fixed or that Kevin Stefanski is going to call plays differently or that the defense is going to look different. Like, I just don't think I think until they actually do that, until they go out and beat a team in a big game like this one, there just isn't reason to believe that they're going to do it like they just haven't done that yet. Um, and they've given a lot of games away. I think all of these losses, you can argue in some way, shape or form, they beat themselves or they help beat themselves. And like Wyatt Teller said in the locker room after this game, it's really hard to win when two teams are trying to beat the same one. And I think even in this Patriots game, which was a not a close loss in the score. The Browns did in an element beat themselves and the Patriots game plan for them, but they beat themselves partially. So I do, you know, this, these two weeks are huge. There's no skating around it. They are in the tough and very important part of their schedule without Deshaun Watson and a lot hangs in the balance in these two weeks, but yeah, you're right, Dan. I think if they lose both, it's over. They don't need to win both though necessarily, but it's there's a lot at play in in these next two weeks in this division. Yeah, and then just to Mary Kay's point, you know, even even further, it even if they lose this week and beat Cincinnati, that's okay. Like, the, yes, the Browns would have five losses, but Pittsburgh has four losses, and then Cincinnati would have four losses after you beat them. Now, whether they're or at least four losses after you beat them, you know, if you beat Baltimore this week, they'll at least have four losses. Um, coming out of these next two weeks. So that that's why it's like, okay, you can live with three and five um, because you'd at least have hung at, at worst a fourth loss on somebody. And who knows, maybe it ends up being a fifth loss after these two weeks. So you kind of keep yourself just by winning one of these games within shouting distance of, of these teams. Uh, but again, if you lose two, you know, you, I, I just think it's a big ask, even if these other teams don't necessarily get hot and separate themselves over the next month. I just think if you put yourself in a position, especially considering the schedule where you've got to go, I mean, what if they were two and six, what would they have to go at least, at least seven and two. And Mm -hmm. and they'd be in big trouble from a tiebreaker standpoint. Um, it It would just be really, really challenging if you're sitting at two and six. Yeah. And losing four straight games, you know, does funny things to a locker room. I mean, we we are already hearing 
things like, you know, John Johnson coming out and saying that not everybody is 100% bought into doing everything they need to do off the field at all times. Uh, you know, there, there starts to be more of that. Um, so, you know, you don't want the wheels to come off uh, because even though, um, you know, these guys are really committed to sticking together, it's really hard to do that when it's falling apart. It's very, very difficult to do. Uh, and it is a young football team. So, yeah, they they really need to win this one. Okay, there we go. Uh, Lance Risling coming up after the break. Mary Kay, did you give Doug your pick? I gave Doug my pick, so I won't uh, I won't spoil that. Yes, I did give Doug my okay. pick. So yes, Doug's going to have our picks coming up in the last segment, too, that he does with Ashley and Irie. So Lance Risling coming up here after the break. He's going to give you a scouting report on the Ravens and give you the keys to the Browns beating the Ravens. Then Doug will take over with Ashley and I read some prop bets and game picks, including picks for me and Mary Kay. Hopefully Doug didn't like mess with us and change, change our picks or he something. He did not. I, I believe these were your genuine picks given <laughs> what the picks were. So I'll say that much to not spoil, wow. to not spoil the podcast ending and what those picks will be. <laughs> okay. Well, that's all coming up uh, after the break. Uh, like I said, you'll hear from Ashley a little later. Uh, So yeah, Mary Kay and I will say uh, farewell at this point. Uh, Lance Risling coming up on the other side. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. And now, as always, we welcome on Lance Riceland to tell us about the Ravens and give us a key to beating the Ravens on Sunday. But Lance, let's start here. What are you seeing from Lamar Jackson this year? Well, he's a little bit up and down. He seems to be a little bit inconsistent. He uh, at times he has uh, for him he's a little bit hesitant uh, getting out of the pocket. Uh, from what you've watched in the past. Um, but it's kind of amazing when you think he doesn't play well, he still, um, he still has a, a bunch of, you know, like he had 70, you know, seven carries for seven, seven yards. He's still, uh, still through for 210. He's pretty, you know, pretty, you know, he's pushing 300 yards, total yards, but I, he looks a little hesitant. Um, I think he relies heavily on Mark Andrews um, in terms of uh, when he needs to play, that's where he's looking. Um, so, yeah, I think they're, they seem like they're a little bit uh, sluggish, per se uh, not as sharp he's not he doesn't have nearly the explosive plays he's had in the uh, in the past uh but it seems like they're getting closer to be honest with you so you you mentioned mark andrews and i'm always fascinated in the nfl <laughs> by these these tandems like uh patrick mahomes and travis kelsey uh matthew stafford and cooper cup you know jackson and andrews it's these pairings that you know teams are going in and saying We're, we have to stop this we have to shut this down and it just doesn't matter. They, they manage to find each other. Are, are those two in your mind kind of at that same level as it doesn't have to be a performance level, but I just mean their connection as far as the, the Mahomes, Kelsey, Stafford cup, some pairings like that. Yeah. You know, and like all three of those examples, they do a great job of putting them in different spots. So especially inside as a tight end, the matchups they create because they have receiver skills, they create, awful matchups for a defense with a set uh, with uh, safeties and linebackers. So that's the first thing. Um, but there's, there's, there's just a general trust. So they know where they're going to be. They know 
Uh, they seem to understand coverage together. They're on the same page in terms of what the route combinations are. Um, but yeah, they, and it's almost like the, the coach's job is to figure out how to get them open because they're going to throw it anyway. And, you know, the Super Bowl is a great uh, example of stuff. You have to get them open. So what's the concept? And if you see it on Andrews, he's a little bit of everything. However, I think one of the things that makes Andrews special with Lamar Jackson is those improvised plays. Um, he stays. That's one of the keys of the Browns. They have to stay connected because he does a great job of getting in the lane for Lamar Jackson to see him. And he's done it a ton. He you know, hit a big play on the Browns last year with that. Um, but he does a lot on film in terms of he finds openings when Lamar uh, scrambles, which really helps Lamar uh, find him. Now, obviously, elsewhere on offense, J.K. Dobbins is still working his way back. Um, you know, that rookie year that he had was – I mean, it, it scares you to think of him if he's able to get back to that level playing with Lamar Jackson. Their run game in general, with Dobbins and, and whomever else, what, what do you see out of their run game? Well, they do a lot of what the Browns do. They pull a lot of their guards. Um, I like how their offensive line is constructed. You know, they got – I was re- reading up on these guys, Stanley and Powers and Lindebaum and uh, Zeitler and Moses. They all fit this role where they're big, they're physical, uh, they run a lot of gap scheme. They do run some zone, but they run a lot of gap scheme, uh, pulling those guys, blocking those guys down. Um, their fullback is really good. Uh, Ricard, he pulls very well. He's like another offensive lineman. So they do a lot of what the Browns do in terms of uh, being physical, getting downhill. Uh, you know, a couple of big runs by Kenyon Drake last week. I mean, he had 10 for 119. Yeah. Uh, it was on a power. It was on a counter. Um, where they're blocking down and pulling a guard. And in you know, that gap scheme, you know, you're blocking down on one side and somebody's coming, a guard, a tackle, a fullback, uh, somebody somebody else is coming. So uh, they're real physical. I love how they're constructed inside. Uh, and they, uh, they're they pretty nasty inside. They get off there pretty well. Is that a, a bad thing for the Browns, that, that they're playing, again, just another physical run team? Uh, yeah, I think it's a bad matchup. Uh, you know, one of my keys is uh, figuring out a way to stop the run, and uh, they're going to have to be creative like we've talked about in the past with Patriots, but I think it's even more because this gap scheme, um, you're getting big doubles, and if you jump gaps and stuff, they do a great job of getting to the second level. Uh, they do a great job of doubling to the second level or you or just going to the second level because the defensive tackle takes himself out of the play. Uh, yeah, it's, they're really, really physical. Um, I'm not sure how the Browns I'm interested to see how the Browns are going to stop it because they're going to have to be super creative because uh, I think this is a better run game than the Patriots. Yeah. So that brings me to one of the things that we talk about, you know, actually back when the Browns drafted him, Jeremiah Wusukormoa, when he was drafted, one of the things I think a lot of people had in mind was Lamar Jackson. You know, mm-hmm. this is a guy that you're drafting because he's athletic and he can chase around Lamar Jackson. But I wonder coming off last week, they they tended towards Taki Taki in part because of that physical run game. And I think that's a little bit of a conundrum that they have here. Do you go back to JOK? I mean, the indication today from Joe Woods was that uh, Jeremiah would have a role, a, a big role again. But do you go back to him? How, how do you kind of balance the more physical player in Taki Taki versus Owusu Kormo, who has struggled against more physical teams? You know, that's a great question. And the only it is being creative and trying to get extra hats and, and almost being, I don't say gimmicky because you're never gimmicky in the NFL, but you're talking slant angle. You're talking run blitz. You're talking, um, you can't just stay in base. You can't just say, uh, we're going to read the double team and, and take a gap or I'm going to, you know, I'm going to slow read the B gap. You have to take things. You have to penetrate. You have to play up field. 
Um, the Browns defense is not built to stop this type of run game. Now, I think JOK is a great matchup in terms of being a spy. Um, but that would be if they were a spread team in terms of, you know, three and four receivers out and he can be the middle backer and he can, uh, you know, cover a, a zone play and just beat the double team. This is a interesting uh, issue for them because this is a power run game. So he's just one of the, their, their run games based on their O line and Lamar Jackson is just one of the, uh, the, of the headed monster that's going to come at him. So um, it's a very, it's a very tough matchup. We've talked about in the last couple weeks matchups. This is a very, very difficult matchup for the Browns uh, front seven on defense. Uh, defensive side of the ball for the Ravens. We know about those corners. Um, you know, Marcus Peters is a ball hawk. Can get you can catch him a little bit though with his eyes eyes peeking for the football. Uh, Marlon Humphrey. They they kind of remade their safety room a little bit. Uh, what do you see from their defense, but especially their front seven? Because this has always been a team, at least the last few years, that almost has to generate pass rush more than having just an elite, like one or two elite guys. Well, Travis Jones is their nose. He's the guy we talked yeah. about uh, during. I love him. I think he's a big. I think he's exactly what the Browns needed in terms of a defensive tackle, and that's how those, all those guys are inside. They are, they are big. They, uh, you know, the 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 Maduki or Travis Jones, uh, uh, Clayus Campbell, Broderick Washington, Urban. These are all really big guys, and again. This is an impressive group in terms of size, and they're real boring, and that's why they don't create pass rush. They are two-gap guys. If you stop the film, usually they are their arms, both hands are on the offensive lineman, arms are extended, and they're looking for the ball. Unfortunately, that's not going to create a great pass rush, but it does limit the run, and that's what you know. And then obviously in that odd front, they're going to create their uh, their rush with uh, you know some simulated blitzes and bringing people off the edge and some three over two pressures. But in terms of how they're built, they're built big inside. Um, and Patrick Queen's one of my one of my favorites, maybe top five guys to watch on film. I think he's just an outstanding linebacker, both uh, versus the run and the pass. He's extremely physical, but can run very well. Uh, and those big guys protect him in binds, so those two can run around. So they keep people off those two, and they run around. And that's kind of been their mo for a long time in terms of big guys up front, linebackers that can run, and you know some corners that can cover. And that's kind of how they do it. Is this defensive front similar to New England's in any way? Um, yes, I think the I think inside they're even more physical. I think inside they're even heavier. Uh, they play. They are not looking to pass rust whatsoever, in my opinion. Now they will. They do get exotic, like a lot of teams on third down and medium, third down and long. But for the most part, they're going to be they they multiple front like everybody now. But those big heavy tackles are going to get their hands on the guy in front of them. And they're going to find the ball and they're going to stay on the line of scrimmage and they're going to move with the scheme and they're going to they're going to hold. They're going to maintain their gaps on doubles. And that's what they do. And then those two linebackers run, run around, make plays. OK, so for the Browns, give me a, a couple keys here to how they win this game. Well, they got a, they got a pass rush smart. They got a uh, they got a pass rush in their lanes and keep everything in front and not be over aggressive, which sounds kind of weird. But they can't they can't leave gaping holes for him to run. And then when he does run, their their back seven has to stay connected. They have to stay with their guys longer than they have all year in terms of when he scrambles. Because, you know, one of the differences, too, is that he looks to throw as much as he looks to run now when he scrambles. So some of those in-the-pocket scrambles are what really screw a defense up, and he's really good at it. So they got to they gotta pass rush smart, keep him in front, and then they, gotta, they have to stay connected in the secondary. They got to continue to stay with their guys. And then on the offensive side of the ball, is it – is it that players over plays thing that we've been been harping yeah, on? Yeah, you know, that's the first one. Definitely players over plays. They got to run the ball. 
I got to continue to run the ball regardless of what they're getting. Keep running the football. It'll help, um, which is the key. Is like, what are they going to do when the Ravens stop the run? Well, the Browns got to keep running it, and then they got to they got to stay within the parameters of Jacoby Brissett's talent and allow him to be successful with slants, option routes, hitches, um, you know, take a shot once in a while and some corner routes, try to keep the ball under 25 yards, uh, protect the football, and going back to, you know, again with the Browns, end every, end every uh, series with a kick. And if you can do that, you'll be in the game, I think. Okay, do you have a pick? I do. I got the uh, – I, I, once again, we talk about man. I don't like matchups. I'm going thirty. I'm going thirty-five, seventeen Ravens. Ooh, that's a big one. Yeah, um, I don't, like, I, the, I I don't think, like the matchup. I think you're going to hear a lot of Ravens picks coming up, but uh, I'm going to hand that part off to Doug this week. Uh, I did send him my pick, so you're, he's going to he's going to give that to everyone during that segment. But uh, that's Lance Reisland. Like I said, Doug coming up on the other side. He's got Ashley and Irie to do prop bets and then game picks. Lance, thanks for the time. As always, thanks for having me. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need a fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. All right, back on the Orange Brown Talk podcast. It's Doug Maurice jumping in here with Irie Harris and Ashley Bastock. We're going to do our prop bets and then do our picks later. But this is our little look inside the game. Irie, you going to make some money for the folks this week? What's your prop bet of the week for Ravens-Browns? Oh, gosh. I'm going to make some money for the people. I surely hope so. If not, they can't blame me. Like you said, those are the rules. So... I know that we've been going through a bit. I'm going to go with the rushing yards right now. I'm going to start it off simple. Uh, I'm going to go to the people's favorite, Nick Chubb. Right now, the number for rushing yards is 71 and a half, 71.5. Over, under, I'm going to go with the over on that. Oh, uh, what a shock. I know. Not, co- I know. not coming in with a Chubb under. <laughs> yeah, the Chubb over. Hey, Good. I was. I was this close to going with the under, believe it or not. I promise you that because I know that they're, I know that that the Ravens actually their pass defense is not that good, but their rush defense is actually much better. I believe they they're top ten within the fewest rushing yards allowed per game. Like it's just at like a hundred. So I wouldn't be surprised if Chubb got to hundred. But I would think from last week, I would think that they will learn and, you know, maybe give them some more regime attempts to get up. And I believe you can get to 71 and a half, I mean, 72 at that. I do think to me, there's a lot of, in trying to analyze the Browns offense for this game, like, like reacting to what they didn't do last week. And I know mine is kind of part of that. Um, Ashley, is that, you know, we're trying to, you bounce back and forth, but it was kind of a weird game. Last week, they came out and tried to throw it right away, and it didn't really work. And the result was we sort of didn't have the typical Nick Chubb, Kareem Hunt offensive attack that we often see. Ashley, do, like, does that lead you to believe that Kevin Stefanski's going to buckle down and be like, all right, we got to go get our guys, our our big two guys involved right away? I don't know what to think about this team right now. Honestly, what keeps going through my mind, though, um, I'm going to be normally, like I said, I would never take a Nick Chubb under. I am almost hesitant to would be hesitant if I was betting in this game to bet on this, because last year 
against the Ravens, they really did kind of hold Nick Chubb in the first game in Baltimore, famously, famously only ran for 16 yards on eight carries. Um, and Kareem Hunt wasn't really healthy during this stretch of the season. So I remember like there was an instance where the end of game scenario, they didn't have Nick Chubb or Kareem Hunt in and, and Kevin Stefanski had said Nick or Kareem Hunt's calf had locked up. He was dealing with the calf injury at that time. Um, and then two weeks later, because they had the bye in between those two Ravens games last year, Nick Chubb ran for 59 yards on 17 carries. And we saw how the Ravens defended them last year. And obviously they have a new defensive coordinator in Mike McDonald. But I, I just remember them, you know, really honing in on that and bringing like 10 guys up to the line of scrimmage. And it's like, why, given the Browns passing attack right now, why wouldn't you bait them into trying to pass the ball more? That's that's to me what keeps going through my head. Yeah, it's one of those things. It's hard to get a handle on this kind of stuff sometimes, Irie, of, of the Ravens have trouble against the pass and they can stop the run, but the Browns can run and they can't really pass. So then what does that mean? Are that like, like Ashley's saying, are the Ravens going to try to get the Browns to do the thing that they're bad at, but the Ravens are also bad at defending. I just don't know that I, I re I, I agree with this over. I think it's, I think because Chubb didn't have a huge game last week and because the Ravens pass defense is pretty good. I think it pushes this number down. I don't think 71 is too much to ask. Again, it's one of those things. I think when you're betting over under like this, if you could still not have a great game and still hit the over that if Nick Chubb goes 19 for 76, it's not, it's not like he dominated the game. It'll kind of be like, oh, they only had 76 rushing yards, but he hits the over. Irie, are you expecting, is part of this for you, that you are expecting Kevin Stefanski to say, I don't care what they're good at. We've got to run the ball early to be successful, and they'll feed Chubb. A bit more, yes, I, I, I am feeling that way. As you mentioned earlier, we it's kind of that reaction from last week's game as to where we're thinking of just the bounce back and forth from this and that. I do want to add, if you guys remember early on when I would make uh, the best with the receiving yards and I would choose this player like in Joe or Peoples Jones, it was really that same that same thought process of they didn't use him at all the past game, so they're going to involve him a bit more in this series, the next game. So it's kind of that same mindset, I believe. All right, so I'm going to do that too because Kareem Hunt was a non-factor last week. Four rushes for 12 yards, uh, one target, didn't catch a pass. His over-under for combined rushing and receiving is 53 and a half. He's gone over that in every game this year except last week. And I do think he will be, and I would involve him heavily in the pass game here. And I do think if you're going to try to throw on the Ravens, if you're going to try to attack them with Jacoby Brissett, I don't think that means come out and throw a 40-yard deep ball to a third-string tight end in the second play of the game. I think it means you use guys like Kareem Hunt and David Njoku. And, and plus, I do think they are going to have to run it. So, Ashley, this 53-and-a-half doesn't seem like a stretch for me. I feel like this is a this is a bounce-back Kareem game because he was a non-factor a week ago just the way the game unfolded. It it doesn't seem totally out of the realm of possibility, right, Doug? But I think I have usurped you in terms of negativity or pessimism Ooh. about this Browns offense. Um, I guess pessimism is the better word because uh, we were talking about this in the press box during this last game. And if I'm Kareem Hunt, I am absolutely stewing over the fact that I did not get the trade that I asked for and they still aren't using me the best way they could be using me in this offense. Now I hear you, Doug, this, this is kind of a low number. Like you said, he's hit it in every other game, but I basically come away from every game being like, why is Kareem Hunt not involved in this passing game more? 
especially given Jacoby's Brissett's, Brissett's limitations, the most he has yeah. been targeted in a single game has been four times. So I would say that is something to keep in mind going into this game. If you are thinking about, again, making a bet on the Browns, like really in, in kind of any phase of their, their offense right now. And given what the Ravens did last year, I know they have their own problems, but four times in a single game from, he should be targeted so much more. And if he was, I'd be more confident in this over. When I hear pessimism, I want to dig in. I want to dig in on negativity. The emotions, God. Let me ask this specifically, Ashley. When you say you are pessimistic about the Browns offense right now, is that Kevin Stefanski's ability to employ this offense effectively? Is it if the other opposing team's defense is good at anything, then you doubt the Browns' ability to move the ball? Is it a lack of confidence in Jacoby Brissett and any part of the passing game beyond Cooper and Joku? What specific? May really look inside yourself, Ashley. What's making you feel this way? I've inside myself, Doug <laughs> and Irie, and what I can tell you is it is all of the above. Like okay. I am, I am just. It's a lot, and I said this in our Berea Report video today. You know, the Ravens to me, when I look at them as a team and when I've watched their game, you know, I watched this game against the Giants. I watched their game against the Bengals. I watched um, their game against, what was it? One other game, whatever. One of the ones they blew. And Miami, maybe. Yeah. Yeah. And it was just, it's just the fact their problems seem so much more concentrated to me. Like you can more easily pinpoint them. And maybe that's because we don't cover the Ravens that like you can look at them and say, ah, it's a fourth quarter problem or uh, their secondary hasn't really lived up to what we thought their secondary would be once, you know, they got Marcus Peters and Marlon Humphrey back and and not injured like they were last year. But I, the Browns, it's like the problems are just all over the place. And I'm not confident from the last two years that we're going to see any like major changes from Kevin Stefanski and how he calls this offense, especially, you know, it's like, I'm just, I, I don't know. I don't expect there to be any fireworks. Like I'm like you, I feel like I'm like you were at the end of last year, Doug, which is scary because we're in week seven, but I'm kind of like prove it at this point. I'm really sick of hearing we got to get better. Like go out and do it. I don't know. Maybe I'm Doug. I'm more, much more emotional on this pod than I thought I was going to be. Oh, isn't it? But isn't saw- it frustrating? Isn't it just frustrating to sit there and watch this week after week at this point? I'm frustrated. I know. I know you're on edge because like there's like the Taylor Swift like movie that preview too. video coming out in a couple hours. Yeah, that's before this that's at midnight. So at I know midnight, you're excited about that. I'm very I, tell you, I did have cold brew this afternoon, a venti oh. cold brew. So that could be part of it. But like, right? I mean, am I wrong? You about are jacked up a little bit. I, I, I like this version of Ashley Bastock. Let me say this. If you lose me, who cares? I'm a negative Nelly anyways. <laughs> like I turn on everybody. When you've lost Ashley Bastock, you are in trouble. Irie specifically, this idea of are they using Kareem Hunt the correct way, the most effective way, enough? What do you think? And again, last week was kind of a one-off because he's been good for like 50, 60 total, total yards in most games. He just was a non-factor a week ago. But do you think they've underutilized Kareem Hunt, Irie? I, de- I definitely have. There's been games, and this is expected, where Chubb is going to get 20-plus attempts, and Hunt will maybe, just maybe get half of that. But I I, I also uh, am sometimes up in the press box, and I'm just thinking, why are they not giving him the ball in that sense? I mean, he's such, he's such a threat, and he has more than enough left in the tank to where even if you were to simply not give him a ball with, within the half extents, but maybe within like a little – 
you know, quarterback to, to, to uh, running back passer combo. He could be so useful on that. And honestly, if I'm Hunt, from everything that happened th- uh, throughout the offseason, they deny giving more money. They deny a trade. If I'm him, I'm thinking, especially with this game and certain teams on the schedule, I'm going to go out and show what I can do because there's there's going to be teams that they go up against, such as the Ravens, where they could use a guy like Hunt. They could yeah, they can use a running back. They don't want their quarterback, Lamar Jackson, to be you know the leading rusher every single game. Not that that's not a part of his ability, but they're thinking let's take somebody and put you know aside from that. So if I'm Hunt, knowing that the Ravens can use somebody like me, I'm going to show that and show them yeah i've been doing this this is what i still gone left in the tank i mentioned i had to say yes the browns are underutilizing him and it's despicable I, i'm gonna say like i i it does make me feel a little bit weird with like nick chubb's not in the game it's like why isn't nick mm-hmm. chubb in the game and i get it they're rotating the guys but i do like it when they're in there together and the idea of like they're in there together and then throw to kareem in those situations again ashley as you said kareem hunt catches by game four two three two three zero 14 receptions this year i would really like to see him get involved more in the pass game on Sunday. And that's where I'm leaning on this 53, you know, to me, what, how would that look? It's like maybe 30 rushing yards and 45 receiving yards. That's what I would like to see because I think he can help Jacoby Brissett. I think, again, you're attacking sort of the weakness of what Baltimore does with his pass defense. And I think that makes sense to me. Ashley, what is your prop bet? Well, um, mine is, I guess, leaning into that pessimistic side heading into Sunday. And this probably tells you where my game pick is going to be going. But this is one of those bets to me that I saw it and I'm like, what am I missing here Mm. coming into this game? Because right now the over under for Baltimore's total touchdowns in this game is two and a half. And I would be hitting that over as hard as I can currently on DraftKings that Minus 200 for wow. two and a half okay. touchdowns for Baltimore for total team touchdowns. So you think so? That's like Lamar doing his thing. That's maybe a deep shot here or there. It's Mark in- Andrews in the red zone. I mean, there are some yeah. questions it feels like uh, in the Ravens' backfield right now with the health of J.K. Dobbins and uh, Kenyon Drake, maybe, and maybe Gus Edwards will be back this week. You know, they are um, far from perfect at the moment they're having their own issues clearly but there is just sort of a i think there's an inherent faith in lamar jackson i read that like you're not gonna like slam the door on lamar jackson right like i don't think the browns are gonna win this game 13 to 10 anticipating a lamar jackson offense to score three touchdowns i think i think ashley might be onto something here i I agree. I don't see no reason why we wouldn't. I mean, just the state of this defense, I would be surprised if anybody thought at the most that, that this Ravens office would score no more than two touchdowns on this Browns defense right now, especially the, this rush defense at the moment. I do believe that this team, I mean, this is, see, the problem with the Ravens hasn't even more so been the scoring. It's just been capitalizing and finishing up the game right. We've seen them lose the game multiple times in the fourth quarter, but they've had no problem when it comes to th- scoring three touchdowns. They can get that in a single quarter against this defense. Is there any part of this, Ashley, that, and I think we sort of maybe talked about this even like right after the game last week, that this is the offense almost that this defense was built to stop. We'll see more JOK snaps this week. He didn't play as much last week, last week with sort of a heavier new England offense that this, this is what they are here to do. Could somehow this be a get well game for the, uh, I can see your face. It feels like you're, you're so your pessimism is all encompassing. 
Like, You're not bu- Oh, no, yes, Joe Woods has a plan for Lamar no. Jackson. And everything's solved. If well, in theory, like last year they kind of did, right? Like those yeah. two games, they they played really well. I think that's where this defense found itself. And if you want to find like the optimism buried deep into my soul at this point, maybe it is there. But I just wrote a story today, you know, about Joe Woods talking about how Grant Delpit's job is safe. And by the way, so is everyone else's right now. And looking at the defensive stats and just kind of seeing the numbers and realizing that they rank in the bottom third of the league in just about every important category that football outsiders has them ranked second to last in the league in defensive DVOA. I just, I don't know. And again, we talk about these, these younger guys who we thought were going to take steps up and especially JOK, you know, who I still, I love his skill set and what he brings, but it's concerning to me that they felt like they couldn't use him against the Patriots. This was a guy who brought him in because of his versatility. And I get it. Taki Taki is maybe better against the run, whatever. But that's concerning to me. And I just am concerned with how this has been going so far. Like, like I said, this is maybe more of a pick because of the Browns defense than me having confidence in the Ravens offense. It's more of a lack of confidence in this defense and how it's schemed and what it can stop and the scores from their last three games and what's happened in those games. So that's kind of what, to me, it was more like when I said, I feel like I'm missing something. It was less, gosh, haven't they watched Lamar Jackson and more, gosh, haven't they watched the Browns defense and seen what they're prone to giving up? Yeah. If Bailey Zappi can do it, then Lamar Jackson can do it kind of thing. All right. So we are all overs on the prop bets this week. It's over two and a half touchdowns for the Ravens. For Ashley, it's over 53 and a half rushing and receiving yards combined for Kareem Hunt from me. And Irie, what was the number that you're over for Chubb? Is it 71 and a half? 71 and a half. And I'm going to make sure, just to make sure that DraftKings did not switch up on me just like they do during our recordings. And no, they did not. 71 and a half as we speak. 71 and a half. Okay. Three good overs for our prop bets. We'll take a last break here on the Orange and Brown Talk podcast. When we come back, game picks and we have mary Kay and dan checking in on this too we'll do it next all right we're back time to make the picks the browns six and a half point underdogs in this game the over under is 46 for the total again dan and mary Kay not here for this segment i do have picks from them and i will reveal those at the end but i would like to off the top lean in to the pessimism of Ashley Bastock. And Ashley, (laughs) we will let you go first. Well, that's great. You know, I've picked the Browns in every game so far this year. and You've picked the Browns every week? Every week. I realized I should have went against them last week. I should have listened. You've you've both picked the Browns every week? Listen, and let me explain myself. I get an excuse. Go ahead, Ashley. I get an excuse. I truly believe going into every game, like I had good reasons for picking them going into every game. I have a perfectly... Reasonable reasons. I'm not even going to go over the first four games. We talked about that ad nauseum in the preseason and before each of those games. Um, Atlanta, it just seemed like they were kind of poised to win that game. And then the run defense fell apart. Like the run defense hadn't been as big of an issue in those first three games compared to when they played Atlanta. I think against New England, I should have listened to my gut. That's the one I will concede. My gut was telling me this team hasn't beat the Patriots since like what, like 2010, 2011. Um, I should have known Belichick was going to come in here and it wouldn't be close. Um, The Chargers game was close. I mean, come on. It was worth picking them. I think it pushed on the line. So we like all pushed on the actual point total, but yeah. Yeah, I was really close to the point total, but 
I, 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 like I said, you know, I'm a little hyped up on cold brew, so I will concede that. So, I will so, say, so I don't. I, 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 before we make your pick, I, I just yeah. I do want to make sure that both you and I re have a chance. Again, this is the two and four Cleveland Browns. Yeah, that both of you have picked every week. So, so Ashley, your explanation is you kind of got into the season and you felt like individually in each game you had good reason. Yeah, I do. I feel like individually in each game I had good reason. I feel like I have a good reason in this game, and I'm not saying. You know, I could not to, you know, these guys don't like to look ahead, whatever I can look ahead. I think I might like kind of regardless of what happens in this game, pick them next week against the Bengals. And maybe that will be an unwise decision, but I, I just am, you know, really focused on last year, I think, which might not be good. And it kind of depends on what they do this week, I will say, but I'm going to go with the Ravens 32, 21 in this game. It just feels like at least a 10 point loss to me. Um, I don't know that this team is going to get right in this game, mainly because of the stuff Lamar Jackson is saying down in Baltimore about how they want to put on a show. They have their own issues that they're trying to get right that I think, given the Brown struggles, they might be more better suited to kind of figure things out down in Baltimore a little bit here. Um, And yeah, I just, I don't know. I don't have much more to say other than that. I don't really have a lot of faith going into this game that the Browns, if they get down, you know, the Ravens, especially they've blown leads, right? Like, do, do you have faith that if the Browns get down by like two scores late in the game, that they're going to be able to capitalize like some of these other teams have against the Ravens? Well, and and so they blew a lead to Miami because Tyreek Hill and Jalen Waddle Tyreek went for 11 catches, 190, and Waddle went for 11 catches, 171. I don't see Tyreek Hill and Jalen Waddle on uh, the Browns. They blew a lead to Buffalo because they have Josh Allen. I don't see Josh Allen on the Browns. And they blew a lead to the Giants that was, you know, Saquon Barkley's pretty special. Um, It was a lot of Daniel Jones. Lamar threw a terrible pick. At the end of that, you know, through that mm-hmm. that set up the, the go-ahead touchdown for the Giants. So that's more part of it. But also Brian, Brian Dable, as the head coach and play caller there, is got a little magic this yeah. year that I'm and not the, feeling. That's a fancy magic. The Browns haven't created takeaways. You know, it's, yes. it's like that's that's another big question mark for me. It's like a lot of me with the Browns at this point is I'm, I'm not totally down on them, but I need to see it. I'm sick of the talking. I'm kind of like you were after the game, Doug. I'm sick of the talking. I need to see it. And and the biggest thing I want to talk about this really quickly, Wyatt Teller, when I talked to him after the game, you know, about not using Nick, about not being able to run the ball, what were the Patriots doing? He said, and I kind of get this, that it was less about the scheme the Patriots were running. And it was more about the fact when you get down late in a game like that, multiple scores, they just were not in a position to run the ball. He called it a luxury. I thought it was a great Wyatt Teller quote. It was a luxury that they could not afford given the deficit. So then you have to rely on this pass game. That's pretty middling right now. And I don't, I don't know, like, like we said, the Ravens pass defense, not great, but Brown's pass offense also not great. So it's a battle of these two, not great entities and who's going to get right this week. I don't know. She picked the Browns the first six weeks and she is officially broken. She's Ashley Bastock and she's picking the Baltimore Ravens. (laughs) So that is an over the 46 with a combined total of 53. And you are taking the Ravens minus the six and a half. You have an 11 point win for Baltimore. Irie, Mm -hmm. how did you find yourself picking the Browns in each of the first six games so far? Okay, so I I was waiting for this. I have a couple of reasons why. For one, I listen to everybody around me. Can you blame me on that? Can you blame me on that? Who Who do you listen to around you? No. 
I, I not, won't not on this podcast, right? I, I, I won't say no names, but I just listen to you know people, man. You know, no, no, no. well, no. I mean, like most of what all of the information that I glean, no, is whatever Mary Kay Cabot says. I'm like, oh, well, well, and that's what I think about the Browns. But then I, you know, whatever. So okay. I, I but, get it. So you're the new guy. You're the new guy. You're moving uh, into your department. You're like, hey, they're supposed to be good. Six and oh. Okay. So you listen to the people around you. What else? How else did you come to this point? Well, I um well, I I will say this. I'm not going to think no regarding betting on, on them against the Jets or the Falcons. They had 115 seconds left, you know, and they should have kept on the levers yeah. of the Jets. I'm not gonna believe in on Chubb and him going for the touchdown. I'm not gonna believe on any of that. When it comes to the Falcons, I mean freaking you lose to a team that USA t- today had predicted to be two and 15. And you just let them go out. You let Marcus Mariota just go out there and dominate you in the air game in that sense. And. <sighs> okay. So are you doing, are you going for seven straight here? Seven straight on the Browns. What's your pick? He's doing it. Oh my gosh, Ashley, he's doing it. What's your pick? I can't wait to hear it. What's your pick? I cannot believe this. If do it. Gonna do, do it. Do it. Make your pick. Be true to yourself, Irie. Make I mean, you should pick. be true to yourself. Like, if, if this season has taught us anything, it's that this team is unpredictable as can be right now. If they came out and won, I wouldn't even be that surprised. I'd probably be like, yeah, you know, it's because I picked against them, and maybe I'll just pick against them the rest of the season. And, Good morning, and the Baltimore. <laughs> I, I'm oh. choosing the Ravens. Do we have, oh, I was going to say, I, do, Ashley is a broken shell of a woman, am. Irie. Don't follow Listen, her. Follow do we, her heart. No, uh, yeah, don't follow me, but also, do we have the license for, for music from Hairspray Duck? Are we going to get sued? <laughs> oh no no well i will get sued individually but you okay, and i are great. the player that's fantastic. that was from hairspray right. that was from hairspray, first of doug. all irie singing hairspray actually recognizing hairspray listen are we it. joking doug i have season tickets to playhouse square the people should know that i'm going to get any pop culture reference made on this podcast wow okay yeah irie so you are picking the baltimore yes. fighting ravens what's your so, score so and well before giving a score i just want to say i this time i'm not listening to Anybody regarding them winning or losing, I woke up. I woke up this morning and thought, "This, I'm choosing the Ravens." That's the first thought I have in mind. Knowing it was Thursday, knowing they were doing the pot, and I just thought, "You know what? I'm going to go with Baltimore because when it comes to this specific game, amongst the many uncertainties, I'm going to go with the thought of the offense will be defense because, as we mentioned, there's a part of defense that both teams are just very bad at. And so, I, so when it comes to sense of, are they going to attack that sense? Are they going to attack the other part of defense, rush or pass? Are they going with any different coverage? Are they going to attack this area of the field with them that they're very weak at? I'm just going to go with the Ravens on this sense because of the uncertainties regarding the Browns. And it seems that the Ravens just have that extra edge up on them regarding whatever we thought or what do we think the Browns are not good at. We don't know what they're going to do when it comes to the fact that you have a quarterback in the other than that's one of the best in the league and they can create opportunities when the offensive schemes that will just somehow make the Browns look priceless. And I just don't see how to have any more, you know, confidence or even uh, defend this Browns defense that I was bigging up a bit, you know, early on. And I go and see what they let Joe Flacco and Marcus Mariota do. What is Lamar Jackson going to do? This is what we were worried about the entire time when they start playing the heavyweights of the league. I mean, they had to meet Lamar Jackson. They had to meet Josh Allen. They had to meet Tom Brady. They had to meet Tom Brady. Yeah, and we no. saw well, he's old. Do- he does, he's not good anymore, though, by the way. He's old. Joe Lamar Jackson old. is still good, though. No, that's true. 
What's your so, pick? Uh, I'm, I'm going with the Ravens, uh, 30 to 25. 30 to 25. So you are taking the six and a half with the Browns. Yes. So you'll not, take the points, but you're going over. Yes. Yep. I, w- I will say this too, just briefly. I, I'm choosing a 25, not to say that the Ravens will have to overcome a deficit to get to that 30 points, but that the Browns will somehow at some point get the 25 points and then try to come back and it just doesn't happen. So then they'll be at 30 points for a bit. So I will say we're all over the 46 here. Mary Kay Cabot, Baltimore 29, Browns 25, also over. Dan, Baltimore 27, Cleveland 20, also over. Brown, uh, Dan is giving the points with the Ravens. He'll take the Ravens minus six and a half. Mary Kay will take the points plus six and a half. She only has the Browns losing by four. There is a part of me that wonders about this, that as much as we've talked about the quarterbacks, it's actually been the run games that have hurt them almost more than anything. They got run over by third stringers with Atlanta. They couldn't stop Austin Eckler. And as I said, like the, the running back room for the Ravens right now is in a quite a bit of flux. We know how dangerous Lamar Jackson is on the run. But again, if this defense is sort of designed to minimize or at least be able to keep up with him and then they can't lean on their backs, I I wonder about that. But I'm picking the Ravens, too. I mean, of course, I'm picking the Ravens. I'm picking the Ravens <laughs> 30 to 19. That feels I, I, I do think maybe it's a little high. The fact that we're all over the 46 makes me a little nervous. Sometimes I think all of our inclinations is just you, you make a pick and then like if you just take a touchdown away from everybody, you might end up being closer. But I'll go over that. But I can see how it would go. But there's no I, I can see what a Browns win would look like, but there's just no reason to have any faith in it. So I think that's the main thing here. And I will say I have picked the Browns to only win twice, but I started off the season. I picked them to lose to the Panthers. They won. I picked them to beat the Jets. They lost. I picked them to lose to the Steelers. They won. I picked them to beat the Falcons. They lost. So I was 0-4 in my picks originally while they were 2-2. Two and two, And then I also picked them to lose to the Chargers and the Patriots. So it's hard to get a handle on this team. But in the end, I think the faith is gone. Is that a fair assessment what, that you guys would say that it, it doesn't mean that they are a hopeless cause right. and they'll never win another game all year. But when they're playing a fairly talented, pretty well-coached team that's also having some trouble and they're on the road. Like you just can't have faith in the Browns right now. Yeah. I mean, I think that's, that's what I want to get across. You know, my, my cold brew rants and Taylor Swift album excitement rants aside, like I do think it just is a matter of I'm looking at this team with where it's at right now and not, you know, trying to get, lost in well they might turn it around and what if they turn it around and could they turn it around and could this be the week and and these all you know maybe they will kind of questions because we just haven't seen it like we haven't seen it they are again I can't stress this enough one historic kick from a rookie kicker away from being one in five right now it's a miracle they aren't one in five um, so until, you know, we see some, something significant or them being able to, you know, besides that pull off a late win when it matters in a big game in a division game, uh, then it's really hard to pick, you know, with them right now and pick them to get this upset win. I will say though, I mean, obviously these are two huge weeks with two division opponents. Yes. And it's not totally away from them yet. The wheels are not totally off, but <laughs> 
during this portion of the schedule, obviously, it'd be very easy for those wheels to fall off. I just, I, I need to see something different for me to, you know, be willing to pick against them this week. And we just haven't seen it. So, so I read one of the things I do think might be true, and this might be slicing things a little too thin, thin, and I'm not sure people in Baltimore would agree with this. Both teams have blown multiple games, but I feel like the Browns have given games away and the Ravens have had games taken from them because like the Dolphins came out and went crazy and took it from them. And Josh Allen took it from them and Brian Dayball took it from them. And again, as we said, that's just different than losing to Joe Flacco and Garrett Wilson and Marcus Mariota and Caleb Huntley. And Brandon Staley tries to Jedi mind trick himself into giving you a field goal that you miss at the end. Right. So I do think, Irene, you could look at Baltimore and say, man, they're almost as broken as the Browns are. But I feel like their losses are make a little more sense because at least they've lost to like good, exciting players who made offensive plays at the end. Yeah. And I mean, and that's like, like I was trying to make out earlier. That's part of the reason why I, I even chose them because when it comes to the Browns, they've found out somehow found ways to give the game away. I mean, putting aside the Jets, even putting aside the Falcons, you want to go back to that, that Chargers game. The multiple, t- I mean, the the fourth down in the middle of like the third quarter when you weren't even at the fifty yard line yet, Jacoby and the whole interception, not even running and taking you know uh, advantage of the five yards in front of them. This Ravens team is a little bit broken, but they still have that advantage in sense of they know who they are, they know they they know how to win the game. They've just gone up against teams that when they have a good lead, they get a little too comfortable, they get a little too rested. They let those teams come back within that little airspace and take it from them. The Browns have just been have just been giving it. And and all these teams that came back on the Ravens like came back throwing the ball. Came back again, throwing like, the ball. I don't, uh, like what? Tua, what? Tua, what does that look I, like? I don't. Yeah. What did Tua have? Like like five touchdowns? Like like six it's touchdowns? Like, and, and yeah, yeah. Like four straight touchdowns. Like, in yeah. four possessions, and so. and and it's crazy because that we literally saw the last moments of that game against the Dolphins minutes after the Browns blew it versus the Jets. It was the same exact day. Yeah, and I will say, Doug. I mean, to your point, even the Patriots game, like. At one point, that game was closer. Like it was for most of the afternoon, a closer game than it appeared. But rewatching it on Tuesday or Monday, whenever I rewatched it, like after the Browns did not recover that onside kick, it was like all hell broke loose. And it it spiraled really, really quickly after that, all around, just in all phases of the game, it spiraled after that. All right. So those are our picks. We gave you our prop bets. We gave you a Lance breakdown. We gave you everything you need to know about this game. We'll catch you on the post-game pod. We hope you guys are reading cleveland.com slash Browns. You can go there and be a Browns insider. Figure that out. Irie, uh, congratulations on picking a team other than the Browns for the first time. Ashley, same to you. Thank Let's you. just maybe, Ashley, chill out on the cold brew. I, right? It's just not that bad. That it's not that bit. Am I wrong? Is anything I said on this podcast wrong, though? I mean, I don't it's, know, it's but a it lot was, of what it you was think. ramped. It was ramped. I'm very energetic. You, Maybe you, the people listening to this, if you're listening to this on, I don't know, Friday morning, Saturday morning, Sunday morning ahead of the game. Maybe I'm like your little boost of caffeine going into this game, going yeah, into your day. And, and And on the other hand, I mean, I've only, you know, done six games with this team and it already feels much longer than that. I don't know if, if that if that's a good sign or not. I don't know. Am I liable for some type of insurance? Like just like they say in those commercials, if you're already this old and have endured this, you are liable for. Da, 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 da. Am I there yet? No. 
You're okay. We're All gonna right. get you a cold brew too. No, the next no, podcast. I, I want you guys I, I, to have a cold brew chugging contest and see what happens. I need um, a, I need a cheesesteak, but yes. All right. Well, I'll get that man a cheesecake. Okay. Thanks to you guys for listening. Uh, thanks to Mary Kay. Thanks to Dan. Thanks to Lance. Thanks to Ashley. Thanks to Irie. I'm Doug. And that was the Orange and Brown Talk podcast.